Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited. So you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you'd like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash Frumis Films LLC or just search Frumis, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. Take it from Lola! 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 Hey, Rue Morgue, what's going on? How you doing? Welcome to tonight's show. I saw Amy was here earlier. Hi, Amy. And Dagger Love was waiting as well. Hello, Dagger. Oh, I can move the... Let's see here. Double-click to update. So, I'm doing that. It's giving me, like, this option to drag. Okay, so how do I drag it? Because I don't like having it on that side of the screen. It blocks my name. I don't want it to block my name. I don't like that. I don't like it. Well... In any case, let's begin the show the right way. There's only one way to begin the show. Jeff is gonna talk about the misfits right now. He's a nerd about this stuff, obsessed anyhow. Jeff never shuts his face, always needs to talk. My eyes show somewhere to me when I fall and walk. My lord, I thought that. Jeez, Louise. Okay, unmute. To let others hear you, you are muted. How am I muted? Doesn't say I'm muted. At all. Hmm. Can you hear me? Tommy, can you hear me? Tommy, can you hear me? Whoa. What is this request? Wednesday store wants me to put together a Sam Hain movie playlist for Halloween. I I I will. Okay. <laughs> that's that's what you want. If that's what you want, that's what I'm gonna do. Um, you know, every year I do something called 31 Days of Halloween. Basically, here are the rules. You watch a movie a day for 31 days of, of October. However, I started going a little bit crazy with it. I I decided instead, how about if I watch as many horror movies as I could in 31 days? So I did that. 
for the last couple of years. Last year I have is my record, my world record. I watched 62 movies in a month, 61 or 62 movies, which is, it's not easy to do. Not easy to do. It was relatively easier because I didn't have a day job. I'm a house husband taking care of my children while, while, while mama brings home the bacon. But if that was not the case, then it would be a lot more difficult. Thank you. Thank you for that. Wednesday says that I have the movie knowledge. Speaking of movie knowledge, we might as well use that as a great segue to talk about some news. Let's go with the news first, guys. Let's do news first. So, um, first up. So, I, I, don't, who, I don't know who saw last week's show, but I had my guest was a filmmaker, writer, producer, named christopher jimenez oh did i butcher your name chris i don't know um chris is really really knowledgeable and he could talk movies all day and night and we talked for about four hours and you know the the chemistry was really there it was really nice to sort of you know because chris and i don't agree on things necessarily so it makes for very interesting conversation where we have counterpoints to what we're discussing i really enjoy really enjoy that so we have decided to launch hello beth welcome to the show thanks for joining us uh chris and i have decided to launch on my channel a brand new podcast let's take a look at this right now i'm going to show you what this is all about we have a brand new show if we you know that's what we do here we just keep doing more and more content you can never have enough content. I'm going to post what he's what he posted on his Instagram. So first of all, make sure to go to um, Sinful Celluloid at Instagram and give Chris a follow um, if you can. And this is our new show. Our new show is actually based on his website. He has a website that he's had for years called Sinful Celluloid where he, you know, he writes reviews and and all sorts of jazz, um, movie-related movie website, uh, touting his knowledge and whatnot. And so we have now adapted that to a podcast sort of format that's going to be on my channel. So it's, I'm the venue and he is the brand. Or it's, a, it's like a combi- it's a co- it's, it's combining two things. I really like it. I like the idea a lot. So... We're doing a show, it's called Sinful Celluloid, and our first episode is about the filmography of Quentin Tarantino. It's called Quentin Tarantino, because we are going to rant about Quentin Tarantino. So make sure to tune in. That's going to be on Thursday, like 9-ish, 10-ish, somewhere around there. We never have a set time here. Just listen, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Turn on your bell notifications so you can be like Michael here who says he finally made it to a live one. Welcome to the stream, Michael. So glad to have you. And we have Beth, too. It's really, really nice. Uh, yeah, exactly. That Wednesday, this is why I brought it up. New podcast and movie content. Make sure you give Chris a follow on Instagram as well. Okay? He posts all sorts of great movie recommendations. Can't, can't recommend it enough. So check that out. That's, that's number one here. Okay? Um, let's go on to the next piece of business. We have another piece of business. Okay, big announcement. Um, even a bit of a, a shock to me as well. What's up, crazy white boy up in the house? How you doing? Welcome. 
Vaughn, we'll take a look at that that topic in a second. Want to want to get to my business here? Okay, this is a big announcement. I got to be honest with you. I was not expecting such like. I mean, this is so awesome. I'm so like honored to be a, a part of of this of this thing that's going down. Um, there is a show that is going to be happening in Lodi, New Jersey. That's right. Lodi, New Jersey at the uh, VFW, uh, no less, right in the town of Lodi. And wh- why not? I'm not going to beat around the bush. Let's let's uh, let's pop it up here on the screen so you can see what it is. I this I, I got to tell you, I this poster art took my breath away. I was not expecting it to be what it was going to be. I mean, this thing is gorgeous. If I if I don't say so myself, boom, take a look at that. It's it's a little cut off because of my little skull banner. Uh, take a look at that. This is a show. This is called, man, I can't see the thing. It says, They Came From Lodi Presents. You can't see it here. It says, They Came From Lodi Presents, Robbie Bloodshed, Voice of Doom, and Tony Matura's Secret Subway at the Lodi VFW. It's an all-ages show, November 6th at 7.30 p.m. I'm going to be pumping this show a lot. Tickets are $10, $10 for tickets. And guess who's going to be the MC slash host slash, you know what? This guy right here, this guy, I am going to be hosting. Screaming Jay Frummis is what I'm called. You know, I go by many names. So I'm going to be getting up on stage in between sets and talking too much. And taking up lots, hogging all sorts of time away from the, the bands who just came there to play. No, I won't. I won't. Oh, look, now you can see it says they came from what I presents. No, I'll just be I'll be introducing the bands and, you know, chatting with everybody. And I'll just be walking around probably with a mask on and probably a little um, sort of standoffish because I'm trying to keep my distance from people. So, uh, you know, come and say hello, but don't be offended if I don't shake your hand. I'm not really shaking hands right now. If you know what I mean? Um. But everybody, come check this out. This is a big thing. And I got to tell you, this is not my doing at all. I I do not want to take any credit for this, even though it says they came from Lodi Presents. This was the brainchild of John, Voice of Doom, and Robbie Bloodshed, uh, working coincide with Tony Matura to collaborate together and put together the show. And then they asked me, um, if I wanted to host it and I was, I'm beyond honored and I'm beyond honored to be featured so prominently on the poster. And, um, you know, it's called, they came from load. I presents for a very specific reason, because these guys all kind of, you know, I don't know if they, I think they met, they all met either on this show or in the, in the, on our Facebook group, check out our Facebook group, by the way, if you don't belong, make sure to like share and subscribe as well. Um, they all they all came together because of they came from Lodi over the pandemic, you know, doing the show week to week. You know, Tony came on. Tony saw the Misfits five times, once with Bobby and saw the, the four times with Doyle in, in very transitional periods for the band. I interviewed him and Robbie has been on the show, as you know, Robbie and I go back a long ways. I've known Robbie since he was a young whippersnapper. And I met John through the internet, through doing the show. And so 
you know, we've all sort of, uh, you know, th there's like a little community. It's really, really nice. I mean, there's a community here too, even in the chat here. It, the whole, my, my whole point is that this stuff is really, really nice. And I'm, I feel so like, I'm so happy that it came, that it sprang from just wanting to talk on the internet to strangers, you know, uh, you get stuff like this. So, um, and you know, this looks like it's the extent of it, but who knows, who knows what, what could happen at a show like this. You know, so better to show up than get a case, serious case of FOMO. You know what FOMO means? This is what all the kids are saying. All the young whippersnappers, they're saying FOMO means fear of missing out. Don't miss out on this show. Um, and we'll, we'll probably, you know, think of even more interesting things to do at the show or, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll, maybe this is the first of many. Who, who knows? We'll see how this one goes. Point being is that this thing is 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 being put on and friggin um really really hats off to John and Robbie and and, and Tony and uh the art is done by this artist I forget his name um from Indonesia uh is Robbie's guy and um it, the the layout this layout for this poster was done by John John did the photoshop of this and it just blows me away i mean the the care and the attention to detail i'm just so i'm so blown away by this poster i need one to frame in my office here down in the the basement studio okay enough of that i will be talking about this show from time to time probably once per show at some point i'll try not to be as so extensive as i am now but this is like the big announcement announcing the show and like i said you never know who's going to turn up at the show so it's like you know, it could be a great event for all of us to, you know, sort of come together um, safely, safely with, you know, res with with respect to everything that's going on to do it in a safe way. So make sure you mask up. As a matter of fact, I something very, very interesting about the mask, but I'll let John be the one. John will 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 will, will, will spearhead how that is going to unravel since that was also his idea. Point being, I'm honored to be a part of it. I think these guys thought up a great idea. I'm, I'm so glad to, you know, lend the brand or whatever the hell you want to call this thing to it. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Tickets are $10. Check it out. Go to Facebook. Go check out the event. I'll put it in the link. I'll put a link in the comments for the uh, link in the description show. All right. That is enough with the um, housekeeping business. Now we are going to move. We're, we're going to we're going to just truck right along. We're going to keep the train rolling here because we're doing so well. Um, tell me, do I look pixelated to you guys? Because I have been struggling with my my streaming software. There's something wrong with my connection, and I, I, I'm sure you guys have noticed. I No one's commented on it. I, I'm all pixelated in the stream. It's not that I have to be, you know, uh, pristine looking or anything, but like, it's just frustrating because, you know, this is this should stream in 10, 1080p. So I'm curious to know what very pixelated says Rue. That is really frustrating. So you're telling me you couldn't even see the friggin' poster that I just shared with you guys. That is just absolutely rich. That is really, really rich. I'm he said, wow. Wow. Beth says just a little bit. And Wednesday says I'm Lego Jeff. Looks like 16-bit shit. Yeah, this has been a problem. I've been trying to troubleshoot this. I just want to let you all know I apologize. And it has to do with my internet connection. And I don't know what to do about it. I'm trying to figure that out. Good thing, though, is I think that poster I shared was should have been 
good. You know, shouldn't have been so bad. Um, Crazy White Boy says a little bit on his end. Well, nothing I could do about it right now. We're in the stream. I just wanted to check and ask. Okay. For real, for real. No, it's not on your end. It's happening. It's been happening in all of my streams. My guests are fine. Everybody looks fine. It's just my stream. My stream personally. By the way, um, you are going to be... So I've been clipping a lot of... I've been clipping a lot of my my episodes. You're going to see a lot more uh, like video clips. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. The, the the flyer looked clean, but the stream was pixelated because it's not. It's the Wi-Fi and it's the video. It's just my video. It's not anything else. I'm really annoyed. Really, really annoyed about that. Friggin' annoyed. Um, yes, the show will be a fun time, as Robbie says. Uh, I'm sure he's going to have a, a, a fun set list. Everybody's going to have a good set list. So in any case, let's get to the show. Look at that. We did all that in 16 minutes. How about that? Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. If you are just joining us for the first time, turn on that bell notification, whatever the hell that works. So um, there were a bunch of different things I wanted to do for tonight's show. Um, you know, sometimes these shows take prep. They do. You can't just, you can't just go into a show with nothing planned. You know, (laughs) that's what I was thinking. How many Misfits covers will be played? Better yet, who is going to let me do a Misfits cover with their set? That's what I want to know. I'm, I'm, I'm 75% joking and 25% serious on that. <clears throat> um, but no, we, you know, these shows take, they, they take a lot of time to put together in the sense of like, you know, you got to find the materials and then you got to figure out how you want to attack. How do I want to attack the show? What am I going to talk about in particular? You know what I mean? Um, it's not, it's not always effortless. Sometimes you could slap together a show, not sometimes, not so much tonight. I was trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out. We'll see you next time, Vaughn. Thanks for stopping by. I was trying to figure out what made sense for the time I had to prepare. And I found something, again, going back to the the old greats that that never tarnish, you know, because all the information is there. You just have to know how to look for it. I went back to our old reliable Misfit Central and found uh, a nice little nook and cranny because, you know, like I said, we... We dwell, you know, we dwell on minutia here. And I found a nice little nook and cranny that we had not quite explored. And we've really explored everything. I mean, really so much. Like, I, you know, there's still plenty left to talk about, I suppose. But, I mean, as much as, as, as possible, we've, we've explored plenty. I had another fringe show planned that <laughs> would have been really... Would have been really out there, but very interesting for, again, you know, uh, filling in history, little history holes, plot holes. Yes, Cameron, I know it looks like a Game Boy camera. I'm, it annoys the shit out of me, dude. I'm so mad about it. It's my Wi-Fi connection. Nothing I could do about that. Um, so this is called what we have here. Uh, maybe I should bring this down over here. This is called a tea party with the misfits, cake, beef, 
beef tripe sandwiches and spilled beer. It's from Slash Magazine on page 14 from October 1979. What was going on in October of 1979? We've covered the entire year of 1979 in our video podcast called 1979 a year of horror business which you kind of can't watch anymore it's kind of hard to see it um if you if you can find it you should let's see i don't know which one is the right one let's see if it's this one we're rolling the dice here is this the correct one yes it is perfect 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 so as i was saying um this is october 1979 what's going on in october 1979 so they are get either have already if this is if this is october 31st well it's got to be before october 31st they're gearing up for the irving plaza halloween show where Tish and Snooky and the Mad opened for the Misfits. And we, we've all seen photos of that show. We've talked with Tony Matura about that show. F- fantastic sounding show. Not that we've heard it, but I mean, just like what happened at that show. And we know that Tish and Snooky sang must- Monster Mash with the Misfits, which is interesting. You don't really hear about the, that, you know, the 77 to 83 Misfits covering a song like monster mash right um but they were also you know over that summer they had opened for the damned and when they opened for the damned jerry had uh spoken with dave and perhaps some some others in the in the damned camp and said hey we want to you know open for you you know we want to you know hop on tour with you in in england or hop on tour with you period maybe they didn't even know they were going to be doing an england tour something like that right um, and Dave, you know, sort of is like, yeah, sure, Jerry. Yeah, we're going to do it. Something like that happens. And Jerry goes back and, and tells the band. But, you know, right around this time in October, the band does an interview with Slash Magazine. And it brings about some interesting sort of notions. Now, we have previously spoke about one of these notions. We talked about Barbie Bites the Dust. We'll get to that. When we get into the thing, this one's kind of hard to read. It's not like a traditional interview. It's, you know, they have, there are these weird slash marks next to the questions. So I'm going to do my best to navigate. And we all know I suck at reading. So it's going to definitely be a tall order. I'm going to do the best I can. This is a tea party with the misfits. Cake, beef tripe sandwiches. You know what beef tripe is? It's the stomach lining of a cow. It's like kind of gross when you think about it. Got to make sure you clean that real well. And spilled beer. One Sunday afternoon, I gave a friendship tea party. A friendship tea party. You would think it would be a fiendship tea party. A friendship tea party. The misfits were invited. The misfits came. No one else did. It became obvious I was going to interview them. After we got past the blue and green cake and the beef tribe sandwiches, I tried to ask questions. So I don't know what blue blue and green cake and beef tripe sandwiches are all about, but I'm guessing it's some sort of inside joke that took place at the at the whatchamacallit, right? At the um at this interview or whatever 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 it is, whatever it may or may not be, right? Who knows? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly, Amy. It's disgusting. Ew. Um, it just sounds like an inside joke of some kind. Um, so the interviewer says, I tried to ask questions. It was very hard for more than one hungover reason. Let me explain about the Misfits. They are a New York band. They are popular. They opened for The Damned on recent tour. They're talking about hurrahs over the summer, which is where Tony Matura first saw them play. Uh, they are a New York band. Hear that? They are not. Hear that, Robbie Bloodshed, if you're still in the stream? They are not a, a New Jersey band. They are a New York band. New York they may be from Jersey. They may be from Lodi. They surely came from Lodi, but they were a New York band. Um, uh-oh, I lost my, my place here. They are a New York band. They are popular. They opened for the Damned on the recent tour. The Misfits are Glenn Danzig on vocals, Bobby Steele on guitar, Jerry Only on bass, and Joey Pills on drums, who was not at the tea party. All right, so let's put a pin on that for one second because they use the ner- the name Joey Pills. Now, why is that interesting? Here's why that is interesting. This is where we like to put on our. I you know I don't I know I don't think Russell Casualties here, but this is why I love having Russell Casualty around because he's 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 all about the mysteries. He's all about trying to solve mysteries. So why are they calling him Joey Pills if he's Joey Image? He's already been billed as Joey Image on horror business, unless. This interview is not from October 1979, but as we hear them talking and as he mentions that they opened for the damned, it has to be. All that stuff has already happened. But Joey Pills was Joey Image's name for about two seconds, according to Bobby Steele and Joey himself and a bunch of other people. He, he was known as Joey Image from January of 1979 and on, right? So to me... I find it very odd that they call him Joey Pills. Perhaps he had been flirting with the name for most of that year, going between Joey Image and Joey Pills. Maybe he wanted to be called Joey Pills while the band wanted him to be known as Joey Image. We have, who's in the house? We have Jody, let's fucking go, came home for a beer run just in time. <laughs> glad, glad you're here, Jody. Uh, Robbie Bloodshed has sour grapes about this. Robbie, there's no convincing you. And Rue Morick, too. But I mean, be, but these guys, these guys have skin in the game because they're both Jersey guys. You know, that a Jersey guy will say that a band is from Jersey. I, I get it. I get it. But listen, you can't, you can't argue with facts. New York band. Um, so Joey Pills was not at the tea party. That's so bizarre. They call him Joey Pills. After the interview, we threw food out of the windows and the doorman was angry with me. I'm never inviting the misfits over to my house again. Here it goes. Now, here's something else that's interesting. Could this be, could this interview have taken place? Was, first of all, is Howie Pyro in this hotel room? Is this when Glenn and Jerry got arrested with Howie Pyro for throwing stuff out a window? Because that happened after the hurrah show sometime, I don't know the exact date, but they were arrested for such things. Tonight's uh, episode is sponsored by, we have a a delicious polar seltzer and it's leaking. 
Not on my computer, thank the Lord, but it is leaking. It's no, no fun. My babe, no fun. No fun to hang around. Oh, that's good. That's really, really good. I'm, um, I'm, um, really enjoying this, this seltzer. Oh, we got Dagger Love in the house. Hi, Dagger. Dagger is watching while driving down the Jersey Turnpike. Dagger, make, keep your eyes on the road. Be careful, okay? Please. Please. Oh, wait. Why isn't this comment shown? There we go. There's the comment. All right. Let's get back to this. We'll go to the comments afterwards, okay? Um, let me see here. So is it possible that it is that thing that we were talking about, the, um, the, the, the incident that occurred with, with Howie Pyro? Howie Pyro was good friends with the band at this time. They would later have a falling out sometime in 80 or 81, I believe. But right now they're friends, from my understanding at least. So now the interview is going to get really weird because of the way that it's sort of written. Mission Impossible is on all the time, slash. I don't get that. Okay, Claire, let's do this seriously. Ask real questions, slash. Lots and lots of slashes. All right, so what records are you doing next? Um, the answer is Night of the Living Dead, maybe a 10-inch of our old stuff. So Night of the Living Dead at this point is being pressed up, so they haven't done... The uh, night they haven't done the, the Halloween show because, as we know, the Halloween show is done on October 31st, 1979, and that's when they also it was also a record release party for Night of the Living Dead. So that is, and then when they say maybe a 10 inch of our old stuff, they're referring to Beware, which is the first Misfits compilation, and the old stuff is really not old stuff. It's, you know, a record from last year and a record from earlier in that year. It's Horror Business and the Bullet EP, except one track is left off and, and a new track is added, Last Caress, making it a sought-after collectible for so many reasons, lest it be the fact that there is this super rare track. As a matter of fact, we've talked about how rare Last Caress is. Even after Legacy of Brutality in 1985, the only way to get last caresses if you have a beware or as we've said if you someone taped beware or taped a live show or had a static age runoff tape if they were in the inner circle it's the only way you got to hear last caress otherwise you're not listening to last caress until 1995 when misfits collection 2 comes out or 1997 when static age comes out static age came out in 97 or is 95 don't remember um so there's that 10-inch record. Oh, so Horror Business isn't, and then they're, she's cut off. It's out now. Um, you know, again, what's interesting about this is you always hear, we played with the Damned, and then we went off to England, right? But, you know, there's a bunch of months in between. What's happening during those months? This interview gives us an insight into what is happening in between the summer and um, the, 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 the tour that would happen in November. So they don't go to England until November, right? I think late November, early December. 
okay, how does it feel to be big stars? And then someone, they don't tell you who's answering here. It's cool, you get free drinks. Um, they ask, are the misfits alcoholics? They say, yep. Yeah. Are the misfits drug addicts? Sure. Are any of you homosexuals? Um, Klaus is ha ha ha. This is important to note. When they're talking about Klaus, I believe, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this is a lot longer than I thought it was. This is a lot longer than I thought it was. They're talking about Klaus Nomi, no, Nomi, I believe, and we'll, we'll get to that, what I'm talking about in a minute, but they're talking about, and Klaus is a, a famous performer, um, the, the 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 interviewer asks, "What's your dream bill?" Us and us say the misfits. The the interviewer asks, "What about the temptations?" The misfits say, "Yeah." Leslie Gore asks the interviewer, Claire still sitting in the chair thinking of a question. I, the way this interview is is written is just atrocious. It's really anno annoying. So the interviewer asks, "Who in New York do you hate?" And then the misfits respond, "Who in New York do we hate?" Who in New York do you like? Asked the interviewer. The Misfits reply, we like the Misfits. They're a very good band. So at this point, Jerry throws a Barbie doll on the floor. Oh, Barbie. Our new single is Barbie Bites the Dust. I want to be, be a party time girl. I'm a party time boy. Okay, so I don't know what I want to be. A party time girl. I want to be a party time boy. I'm guessing that's a jingle from the 70s for a Barbie commercial. If anybody can answer that, please do. I asked Bobby Steele in one of my interviews with him. I said, Bobby, what you know, what's up with Bobby? Barbie bites the dust. Is was that an actual song? Is that another one? Because remember, guys, we all know that the Misfits love to write songs, throw them away, and never talk about them again ever in any interviews lest they probably forgot about them. So it's very possible that Barbie Bites the Dust might be an actual Misfit song. It is not. It is just a th it's just a funny thing that Jerry was saying in this interview. And Bobby said he got he he or he said in that interview, he said, Yeah, I get asked that a lot, and it's not. There's no there's no song called Barbie Bites the Dust. So there's that. But what I'm curious to know is Barbie bites the dust. I want to be a party time girl. I'm a party time boy. Now, what would be really cool? Let's let's hear. Let's I want to see that song. I want to see that song. I want to be a party time girl. I'm a party time boy. You know, Barbie bites the dust. Somebody write that song. I mean, it's just waiting to be written. You know, I'll you know, here's the honest truth. Honest, honest truth. I read. I read Teenage Lobotomy, the story of, of Dee Dee Ramone, Dee Dee Ramone's autobiography, weird book. He talks about all the songs that he wrote before the Ramones, songs that he just wrote in his head and forgot about, just like tons of songs. He mentions one of the songs is called Christmas in the Crypt. And when I heard that title, Christmas in the Crypt, I actually wrote a song called Christmas in the Crypt and I recorded it and you know I don't know what what Didi Ramone's Christmas in the Crypt sounded like but I wrote <laughs> I was like so inspired and I was so 
thoroughly like you know captivated by this idea of christmas in the crypt that i wrote a song called christmas in the crypt and my friend and i nick my friend nick we recorded he did all the instruments i sang it it's terrible i'm trying to do my best dd ramon impression and uh it's kind of atrocious but um really really fun and maybe i will post it on the channel sometime Try to remember something like Christmas in the crypt. Ah, Christmas in Santa come below. Santa come below. I'm sitting here in this coffin waiting to be found. I'm sitting here in this coffin. No present. No. I'm sitting in this coffin six feet underground. I'm sitting here in this coffin. No presents to be found. Christmas in the crypt. Ah, Santa come below. Um, it gets real lonely uh, it gets real lonely, something, something, something. Um, but I guess St. Nick isn't going to come. I got no Christmas tree. Something like that. Christmas in the... All from that. So it's very possible to write Barbie Bites the Dust. You just got to do it. You got to do it. Um. So there's that. What's your favorite movie? Ask the interviewers. And the answer is, while... I'm sure this is Glenn saying this. Wild in the streets. No. Night of Living Dead. So Glenn's saying Night of the Living Dead is his favorite movie. It's one of my favorite movies as well. Speaking of which, we have a Night of the Living Dead. What's in the box? What's in the box? I've had this for like six months and I haven't opened it yet. And I really want to open it. But I can't yet. <clears throat> so, so Glenn says Night of the Living Dead. Are you making a movie? Now, here's another interesting question. So, you know, our, our boy Glenn, Uncle Glenn, has made two movies now. He's done Veronica and he's done Death Riding the House of Vampires. We've talked about both of them. We had the second unit, the, the second AD, second assistant director to Glenn um, on, the, on the stream. And we also had um, Glenn's friend, who was there during the production, uh, Chris, who I'm going to be doing a, a show with on Thursday. Check it out. Look, go back in the stream to hear more about it. Um, so we know Glenn has has made movies. Now, in the, in the early aughts, starting back in as early as 2004 or 2005, he began, I believe, he started talking about this movie called Gay Rouge, G-E, G-E, R-O-U-G-E, Gay Rouge. And it was some New Orleans voodoo thing that he was trying to put together. This is when Rob Zombie is at the height of his Rob Zombiness doing Halloween, right? And Glenn wants a piece of that too. But, you know, even though I think Glenn was very much inspired and motivated by what he saw Rob Zombie doing, Glenn's aspirations of being a filmmaker can be traced way, way, way back, going as far back as initially Sam Hain, but, you know, I'm beginning to think it was as even as early as The Misfits. We know it was as early as The Misfits because they were start, just starting to get into music videos as they broke up. Chris, who's in the comments here, he told us about, um, he was talking about remembering offhand that maybe they were going to do a London Dungeon video, allegedly, you know, uh, along with a bunch of other videos, you know, uh, the only one ever came out was Brain Eaters. But Glenn has spoken in the Pusshead interview. We've heard Glenn talk about, I want to do horror cassettes. You know, he had these ideas. He was going to do these, these short stories and put them out on horror cassettes because, 
you know, he's thinking about that that DIY plan nine. I'm going to put everything out on plan nine mentality. I'm going to get some guys with some video cameras. Basically, he's talking about doing what we affectionately call today. We call them SOV shot on video movies. And, you know, had he had his act together and been more organized, we might have seen some Sam Hain era shot on video films directed and written by Glenn Danzig himself. We also know that as early as 1982, Glenn, that there was a sequel to or a remake to Blood Feast that was happening. Blood Feast, it was, or yeah, it was Blood Feast 2. And that Glenn and the Misfits were going to do a soundtrack. Or we're going to do music for this film. Now, eventually, a Blood Feast 2 did come out, but it didn't come out until 2002. It was directed by Herschel Gordon-Lewis. And in 1987, uh, Michael Sonny, better known as Dookie Flyswatter, wrote uh, a movie directed by Jackie Wong called Blood Diner, which is a, a spiritual remake of Blood Feast. Um, for more on Dookie Flyswatter, go check out, um, you know, Kevin Vonspear, Kevin45, friend to the channel. He is currently doing a documentary about Dookie Flyswatter and Haunted Garage, his band. But Glenn and the Misfits were supposedly going to do a Blood Feast soundtrack, which is only mentioned once in an interview. And I'll tell you, if I had the ability to ask Glenn, that's one of the things I would ask him. I'd be like, yo. What was up with the Blood Feast 2 soundtrack? I'm dying to know. But even before that, now, this could be facetious. This is all lead up to what we're about to read right here. This could be facetious. It could be sarcastic. It could be hyperbole. We don't know. However, it is mentioned, are you making a movie? Why are they, Why is the interviewer asking this? And this is what I find interesting. It's like, these are why these interviews, this is why, like, you know, words are words are magical, man. Like, they have the ability, words have the ability to sort of like, the, the, I know it sounds so stupid because it's like a li- I'm literally saying what they do, but words document things. Like they, they give us a, a, a peek into someone's mind as they were at a certain time. They, they catalog, you know, the, the reality of certain events that might be, you know, um, not remembered properly by the imperfect human memory. So I find it so interesting that they just randomly ask, are you making a movie? And Glenn, I'm assuming this is Glenn saying this. I think it is Glenn. Uh, Well, it's not just us making it. There's a whole mess of people, but we're going to be in the movie. It's about four different things. It's all monster movies, four different monster movies. Howie, talking about Howie Pyro, who I think might be in this here when they're doing this interview or somewhere in the room how he's going to be in one jerry's going to be in another i'm going to be in another that's he's talking about himself and klaus is going to be in the other one he's talking about uh klaus nomi naomi nomi whatever um collaborator with david bowie so so there's definitely they're definitely and you know another part of me wonders is this part of the mad monster or part of the monster movie club? Glenn was Phil, Glenn and the Misfits. The, these guys were affiliated with the uh, um, Susan Hannaford and uh, Anne. What's her name? Anne something, 
who I interviewed, uh, not Susan, Ann. I spoke to Ann many, many years ago. Uh, they ran something called the Monster Movie Club. As a matter of fact, Susan is dedicated to the Halloween 7 inches dedicated to her, right? We've talked about that before. And um, I wonder if they were trying to just make their own little, you know, super 8 millimeter movie or whatever, something like that. And I don't know. I don't know. So, but I, I think it's it sounds like there's a plan to do a movie here. And I find that fascinating. I find that truly Truly fascinating. Um, exciting. Big tours you're going to do. So now they're asking about the tours. And then they say, we might go to England with the damned. Now I want to put a pin in that for one second. So it says, we might go to England with the damned. If that's Glenn talking, you know, it sounds like it's not set in stone. As late as October, they're not sure if they're going to necessarily go on tour with the damned. And that might be because there's no contracts. So they haven't been in touch. Is it possible that the Misfits, on a blind whim, whim, just 150% just flew to England and hoped for the best? Now, what is interesting, in the record mirror, page four, December 1st, 1979, this is news from the news editor, John Shearlaw, in brief, the Misfits who financed a transatlantic flight themselves so that they could support the damned on their tour will be releasing a 12-inch single bullet shortly. The single will also be available from Caroline Imports. Two things to note about this. Why did I bring up this separate thing? The reason why I'm bringing up this separate thing, this, this piece of news is about a month later in December of 1979. They're already in England. And John, the news editor, he has it wrong. The Misfits are not going to release a 12-inch single called Bullet. They're going to release a 12-inch single called, not a 12-inch compilation called Beware. Um, and it's going to be available from Caroline Imports. Now, this is important. The other thing that we didn't mention about, Carol, about um, Cherry Records and Beware is that that's how Glenn first got hooked up with Caroline Records. Glenn would later go on to use Carolina's distribution for Plan 9. But all of that goes back to that 1979 trip. So even though the band doesn't get to really successfully tour with the Damned, it ended up being an incredibly good, it's not a good business move for Jerry per se, because he financed everything, a transatlantic flight with his father's credit card. But for Glenn... He's made contacts with people who are going to distribute his catalog and get him to a place where he is earning significant money on some level from the Misfits and Sam Hain catalog via Plan 9 Records, having complete autonomy off over his own record label, doing his own thing. I do find it interesting that, that it was newsworthy to mention that the Misfits financed a transatlantic flight themselves so that they could support the damned on their tour. It kind of says something. It almost seems like kind of like a slight or a knock of some kind, perhaps. Could be wrong here, but it's just kind of, I don't know. I find that kind of interesting that it needs to even be brought up and mentioned. Um, let's see here. Let's get back to this. I'm, I'm going to go to the comments afterwards, guys. I see all the comments. I'm just going to, I just want to stay on track here. Um, might go on tour with the damn. Not sure yet. 
Um, then the interviewer asks, did they ask you to tour with them? The 160,000 question. And here's the answer. Yeah, dot, dot, dot. Didn't they? With a, with a question mark. That doesn't sound very confident. Uh, we hate Max's. Max's sucks. We haven't played Heat yet. A lot of people haven't played there yet. Club 57 is going to die for sure. Seas is going under really soon. Club 57 is just too big to handle. For a minute, they were they were getting the bands into bigger halls, and all at once they blow it because of the power pop bullshit. Now, here's what's interesting. Again, they're, they're slagging Club 57 a bit. They're kind of slagging Club 57, but Club 57 is what is going to allow them to put on their biggest show yet. I mean, the show that really, I think, in my opinion, when I look back on the history and I'm kind of like trying to understand from a historical perspective, the show that really puts the Misfits on the map is the Club 57 Irving Plaza show. This is when, you know, they've opened for the damned. They've made a splash. This is when the Misfits are actually, they're playing Max's until they get banned from Max's. You know, this is when the band has actually made a name for themselves within this New York scene. You know, um, because their contemporaries are all much bigger than them and don't really seem to pay much attention. Like, I don't think the Ramones are paying attention to the Misfits. I, I've heard, I think I've once heard Marky Ramone asked in an interview if, if he remembers seeing the Misfits and he kind of brushes it off. He kind of starts talking about the 95 version. You know, that's what happens a lot when you interview people about the Misfits. They, they, if they were around back then and then around for the 95 stuff, they'll kind of conflate the two when you're trying to be real scientific about it, really like nerdy about it. And they're like just sort of mixing stuff up. So, so that's happening, right? A little bit. That's happening uh, as well. Um, but what, 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 what I think is really crazy here, as I said, they're about to do their biggest show with Club 57, but here they're slagging Club 57. They're, they're, they're breaking Club 57's balls. Club 57 was not at Irving Plaza, as he said. This, that's why it's so funny. Club 57's going to die for sure. Um, it's just too big to handle. For a minute, they were getting the bands into bigger halls, into big halls, and all at once they blow it. I mean, they're, they're saying this, and they haven't even played, assuming that I have my timeline right they haven't even played Irving Plaza yet that's gonna blow them up bigger I wonder if they still felt that way in November Claire spills beer all over the floor someone says someone in the Misfits says don't spill any beer we're changing this interview to go go girl gets in trouble heat might have a chance because they pay the rent in one date they can uh, they can hold a, a large crowd Heat, I guess, is another club that I'm not familiar with. I don't know if anybody knows this club, Heat, in in New York, but they're talking about it. Um, the interviewer asked, do you think your music has evolved? And the Misfits respond, sure. It's just a lot tighter than it was. The idea is a lot more intense. You know, again, they've moved from bullet, from what they're doing in Static Age to what they're doing in horror business, and they're adding more of a horror theme. That's when the horror stuff really starts to seep in through the cracks. And then Glenn says this. I don't think Jerry said this. Um, 
Glenn says, Bobby plays too many leads. And then Bobby responds, no, I don't. And Glenn responds, yeah, uh, he responds, you do too. Now, what is interesting about that? Why is that such a smoking gun uh, about what is to come? It suggests that either Jerry, maybe Jerry is in Glenn's ear saying, you know, um, Bobby plays too many leads or Glenn just prefers he wants the aesthetic of the music to not be so fancy, to not be so elaborate, to not have any leads. This is why they get Doyle. This is what happens. They get Doyle. It's right here in, in, the, in the text. For better or for worse, they don't want leads. They don't want... They're aware of how great of a guitar player Bobby is. That he's one of the best things that ever happened to the band, frankly. And yet still, they would much rather have a guitar player that's not playing any leads. Doyle is perfect. He's not going to play any leads. He's just going to do rhythm. And he's this moldable guy. He's not, you know, a sassy punk rocker with his own attitude the way Bobby was. Bobby was like an independent thinker. You know, he's not going to conform when you want him to conform. The misfit of the misfits, you know. I just thought that was very interesting. Bobby plays too many leads. Huh, how about that? Um, the interviewer asked, do the misfits really hate each other? And the response is, passionately. We have to, or it doesn't come off right. We don't have enough violence. We fight a lot, but we work everything out. I'd say it's a science fiction. That's what we are. We're not R&R. We're not R&R. We're not New Wave. Dave... David, if you said it one more time, I'm going to dot, dot, dot. Phil Spector is God. You know, Nick Lowe would be a good producer, even though he's a jerk. I I don't, I mean, the way this is written, typed, it's just really, really annoying because it's just, it's hard to read, understand, take in what they're saying. Interviewer says, do you want to talk about a certain person's mother distributing in England? And the answer is no. Do I want to talk about a certain person's mother distributing distributing in England is this I, I guess they're re, they're referring to Sid Vicious's mother might I mention the Misfits kind of knew knew Sid Vicious's mother and um, again super quick for those who are not familiar you know there was talk that, that maybe the Misfits would be the backing band for Sid Vicious before he died Jerry was hanging out with him on the night he died or the night yeah the night he died um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't friggin' know. Um, but that's who I'm guessing they're speaking to. Cause they did. Cause Jerry did hang out with Anne, um, Sid Vicious's mother when they went to England. Uh, interviewer asked, do the misfits date girls of other religions? The misfits respond. We don't have a religion. Interviewer asked favorite ice cream. The response is chocolate. Um, and then racist, racist overtones. Bobby, why do you keep throwing up on people at the mud club? Is it true you threw up on John Lennon? Let me demonstrate. I'm assuming Bobby is saying, uh, Bobby is saying, let me demonstrate. Bobby Steele threw up on John Lennon's feet at the mud club. He doesn't remember doing it. He was really drunk. Bobby doesn't like to talk about it today. He feels ashamed about it. Um, but at the time, as the interviewer asked, do you like to drink Bobby? And Bobby responds, yeah. 
Uh, do you like to drink a lot? Bobby responds, yeah. I mean, this is the terrible interview. Apart from the interesting little, you know, tidbits we're getting here. Uh, I'm going to grow another head and be party time boy, party time girl. Like that man with Rosie Greer with the white head and the black head, the two-headed transplant. So that's from a movie, the two-headed transplant. But again, here's this line, party time boy and party time girl. Is that related to Barbie Bites the Dust or is that, like, what is that? What What is that? I don't know. Doesn't anybody w- want to watch TV? Ask the interviewer. What, what a great way to continue to interview. Who wants to watch TV? Huh. Um, misfits say, I've been watching it. It's not doing anything. Barbie, I love you. Chitlin, pizza, little girls. We're not musicians. R-A-P-E, pillage and steal. I... I don't know what to make of this. It's either some sort of inside joke. I don't know. Again, all of these, this all sounds like lyrics to me or potential lyrics. Um, How can you be in a band that absolutely sucks to hell? One dead blank viewer. I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay. Is it true that you guys are necrophiliacs? Um. No, Glenn doesn't know what it means. This is the answer. You know what it is, Bobby. I know. Yeah, you know, people who dress up like G girls. I don't know what this word is. G blank dot dot dot. Talk about our single now horror business. We recorded it in a haunted house, um, which is the, the, the insert that Dave Street, our, my buddy, our friend Dave Street wrote. Bobby, who are your main influences? And Bobby responds, Jimi Hendrix, Johnny Thunders, and Condemned Souls, and Glennie. Interesting how he mentions Glennie. You definitely hear the Johnny Thunders in Bobby Steele's guitar playing, especially on Horror Business. Those are are Johnny Thunders frills. Uh, Glennie starts to impersonate a kamikaze plane, and Bobby leaves to drive Dave to the subway. I'm guessing Dave is either Dave Street or, I don't know, someone else. Um, when are you going to go to L.A.? Asked the interviewer. And I guess Glenn says, we're calling up this week for dates. We should be there in September. So, okay, September. So this this interview is possibly taking place in August or in September, even though it's being released in October. It would make sense if this, you know what? It would really make sense chronologically if this interview was taking place in August. That makes sense because in July or June, they did the show at the dam. They talk about the tour. It's still up in the air. They don't go on the tour until November, right? So that leaves some time for us to say, hey, maybe we're going on tour at the dam or not. Meanwhile, they're, they're getting the Night of Living Dead single ready for the October 31st Club 57 date, but maybe at this time they're not sure if they're going to be at Irving Plaza or not. Maybe that's why they don't have faith in Club 57. Again, all speculation. Um, Bobby comes back and we throw food at him from the living room window. This sounds like that food fight. This uh, That's what it is. Bobby, uh, I was walking up and I see all this cake and stuff and I go, ha ha, that must be them. And then at the bottom here, it reads the, the insert. We know the insert on February 28th, 1979. The Misfits and mobile recording unit entered an abandoned house in northern New Jersey. They recorded and left while mixing the tapes back at a New York recording studio. Strange voices and noises 
were heard in the background, especially on Teenagers from Mars. No explanation of these sounds could be given by the band or the recording crew. Dave Street. And then there's an asterisk here. It says, to alienate all the slimy intellectuals who blank were growing up. So there's that. And then here's the last piece. Ready? So that was really, that was some sloppy interview. Let's go, let's go through the comments real quick and then we'll read this last piece. Uh, let's see here. This is why I need a producer. A producer. Oh, there's so many comments here. Um, Feline Nursery, Glenn gets annoyed, and on the fly comes up with Spinal Remains, Reimagined. Yeah. Big single. Yeah, Joey Image. That's awesome. You got to meet him, Amy. I also had got to meet him as well. Glad, glad to meet him. Von Fred is back. I remember this article. You're right. It's a lot of iffy things in it that don't go along with the time frame. That's what I'm saying, Beth. It's weird. Uh, thank you, Jody. Jody says the 96 is the box at 97 for Static Age. I'm assuming that he's referring to Last Caress. Chris is in the house, and he says uh, Klaus pay, played on stage with with Bowie on SNL. He also rubbed shoulders with the Misfits, which I find interesting, or the Misfits rubbed shoulders with him. And his big single, Total Eclipse, used in the IRS records film, Ugh, A Music War, on the first victim, Victims of AIDS Crisis next to the B-52s guitarist. That's right. B-52s guitarist uh, uh, fell victim to AIDS, and the drummer took over as the guitarist um, for the B-52s, if I recall. Really like having Chris as a real bridge to the past. He knows he's very knowledgeable. He knows this stuff. He's able to um, pull out interesting factoids as they relate certain situations. Um, let's see what else we have here. Blah, 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 blah. You guys are just talking, 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 talking. Yeet, bitch. <laughs> Every time you say something, please do it in his voice. Okay. Just for yeet, bitch. I'm going to talk like this. I'm going to do a terrible job of it today. Blood Feast 2 was finally made and directed by Herschel Gordon Lewis, but no Danzig score, maybe if parts were used for Black Aria. I think Black Aria is a separate beast, but I mean, that also shows you that he, he clearly, he was involved. He was involved in that stuff. He He was doing score stuff. He was down to do score stuff, you know. Um <laughs> Glenn, what did you do before the Misfits? I can't do Sam Hain era Glenn Glenn's voice. It's a great voice. I like the cadence of his voice. Yes, I know Fridays with uh, Michael Richards. Whoop. I mixed missed it. Here we go. All right, Beth is breaking it down. Back then, a TV show called Fridays aired. They had a skit where they blew up a high Joe, G.I. Joe figurines, dolls, and Barbie dolls. I think the Party Time Barbie was in reference of that show. Thank you, Beth. Excellent work. Excellent, excellent work. <laughs> I, lo I love that. I love that. Yeet bitch likes it when I talk like this. It makes me happy. That's all I got to say. 
Oh my God. All right, let's move on to the second part here. Otherwise, we're doing really good on time. Not that I'm in a rush per se, but I'm just, you know, I'm trying to keep the episodes. I feel like, I don't know. I go, I go back and forth. I go back and forth. Because what I do is I chop up the episodes, as I mentioned earlier. I chop up the episodes, make chop suey out of them, and then, you know, reload them as videos. You know, some people don't like to watch the long streams, and they just want the little tidbits, the little nuggets, right? Makes sense. So it's like trying to cherry pick all the little the little nuggies out of the stream that, that people might find interesting. I've got about 25 stockpiled right now. Okay, here is our next piece. This is from Flipside number 15, mid-1979. News from New York by my friend Dave Street, who I will tell you, Dave does not remember anything from the 80s and doesn't really remember much of the, from the late 70s, as far as I recall. And... I bet you dollar stones. I once found a clip. I found a clip of Dave talking in some random program in the eighties on the street. He has, he had no clue. Diner of the living dead. What's up Von doom. Shout out to Von doom in the house. How you doing buddy? Hope you're well. Um, wow. Ain't that up. Is my thing frozen? Oh, all right, let's take a look at this. Misfits Guitars. This is from, I wish I could read this in Dave's voice. I, I, can't, I, 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 I can't really do Dave's voice. Uh, I'll try my best. No, it's not Dave. It's a little Dave, a little Dave. Misfits Guitars, Bobby Steele. So, so we mentioned before the Misfits were saying, ah, you know, screw Max's Kansas City. But the, the truth is they were kicked out. They were banned from Max's Kansas City because of what Bobby Steele did. He, he threw a glass at, at someone and it, 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 it cut them open and, they were banned for life from Max's Kansas City. And so this is news from New York by Dave Street, mid-1979, Flipside 15. <clears throat> Misfits guitarist Bobby Steele was arrested at Max's Kansas City after a person in the audience filed a complaint with the police charging that he was hit by a glass thrown from on stage while performing by Steele, who's pleading innocent. Steele said that the arresting policeman were extremely friendly and sympathetic to him. The Blessed, with Walter Lure still on the guitar, I interviewed Walter. He had no memory of the Misfits, as far as I remember, and, but I haven't looked at that tape in 11 years, so who knows? God bless Walter. He's dead now. He died uh, this year or last year. I don't remember. I think it was this year. Um, I interviewed him because I knew that he had played with the Blessed when they had um, opened for the misfits or vice versa. Um, Walter, of course, is also known for Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, which were one of the biggest bands on the New York scene, right? Um, the Blessed with Walter Lure, still on lead guitar, thrilled over 800 people at a Sunday afternoon concert as part of the annual rock and roll conven convention at the Diplomat Hotel Sponsored by radio station WPIX Classic. WPIX 11. Watched many a movie on a Sunday afternoon. On w, uh, WPIX 11. Um, or as we used to call it, uh, Channel 11. <clears throat> um, what's interesting is 800 people in 1979. That's like, I mean, that's got to be some rent money. Or as, as Walter would say, rent party. 
Last summer, the Blessed played at a private party thrown by Chip Carter, the president's son. You know, the Blessed were young youngsters on the scene, except for Walter, who was much older than them. And they're kind of looked like, you know, even though Howie was good friends with the Misfits, but the Blessed were kind of like, a, a no, not a novelty is not the right. You know, people loved them because they were so young. That's the best way to put it. It was like kind of like the, the fact that they were young was a novelty. That's the best way to put it. And Eileen Polk, who was their manager, also was a good friend of the Mis- Misfits and took many photos. You've seen a ton of Eileen Polk's photos over the years. A lot of horror business era photos. After the latest show, manager Eileen Polk, lead singer Billy, and bassist Howie, Howie would later go on to be Danzig's bassist in, in Danzig, were all photographed in his studio by Scavuo for possible inclusion in a new book. And Walter Lewer's birthday party at the Mud Club included the best cake fight I have ever seen. So this is a cake fight that featured all these people in the same room together. So surreal to think about it. Um, You have appearances from Danny Fields, Johnny Thunders, Anton Parikh, Natasha, who I also interviewed, her partner, George, not, this is wrong. It's not George Harrison III. It's George Harrington, who I also interviewed. Billy Balls, Klaus, there's Klaus Nomi again. The Misfits, Kristen Hoffman, Bradley Fields, the gorgeous Donna Destry, the Zone Brothers, Pierre De, De Axe, and Trixie. So it's weird to think that Klaus Nomi and the Misfits and Johnny Thunders and Danny Fields are all in the same party, right? That's what I found interesting. So the reason why I wanted to read this is because it shows us that the Misfits, even though they don't go hand in hand with every other New York band, you don't hear their name being rattled off amongst all the others. They were there. They were just not they were just not on the radar yet. I mean, had they stayed on the Max's Kansas City circuit, that might have changed. But that all went went to the wind when Bobby, you know, was arrested. um, Bob Alexander's Good City Rock Show on WBAI will play a lot of Los Angeles music on an upcoming show. The April broadcast includes a lengthy report on the L.A. Elks Lodge incident. I don't know what that incident was. The station's recent benefit at Gildersleeves, that's where the Misfits played their second to last show, had had exciting performances by Uncle Son, Siren, and Cheap Perfume. Uncle Son has also caught the interest and eye of kink Ray Davies, who came to see their gig at Trax. Studio 10 is yippie headquarters and active in the Rock Against Racism campaign. Max's two-week Easter festival, that was a big thing at Max's Kansas City, was the Easter festival. And they would have crazy lineups. Featured four different bands, a, uh, a night and gigs by the Contortions, Model Citizens, Walter Stedding, The Misfits, Invaders, Mickey Zone Zoo, and Klaus Nomi, who was discovered in Denver's New Wave Vaudeville show and has a big spread on himself in the Soho News. Also in his band is the talented Kristen Hoffman of The Mumps. I know who The Mumps are. Another band played CBGBs in Max's Kansas City. I have one of their seven inches. 
whose roommate, Bradley Fields, drummer of Teenage Jesus, suffered a fractured skull and a blood cut on his brain after falling from his loft. But so this is just basically going through all the people that were at this cake party. Um, he's thankfully recovering and performing, but it must temporarily wear an eye patch. This article appeared on a page of regional punk rock news and included several other paragraphs on the New York scene. The first paragraph refers to Bobby Steele's... Oh, so that was as early as March 28th, 1979 arrest. So that was early, but this is mid-1979, so you have to think this is around the time of Haraz, which makes sense because that's when Dave Street was really, really, really close to the band and pseudo-managing them, I guess. Von Doom says Wayne Jane County has a song. They call him Wayne Jane because before, before she was Jane County... She was a man known as Wayne County. Had the, and just inverted the name. Has a song, Max's Kansas City, I, which I've seen her perform live at the reunion thing that I helped Peter Crowley put on in 2012. And they do. They mention everybody, but they do not mention the Misfits. Yeah, the, the Fridays had way more punk guests than SNL because SNL had fear and that was it. The, the whole the infam, infamous fear incident that went down. And that's that's all I got, guys. That's all I got. That was the, the whole show. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to like. Most importantly, please subscribe to the channel. Check out some of the T-shirts that we're offering. Keep your eyes peeled. Thursday, tomorrow night, I'm, I'm having some friends on. They're They're doing a crowdsourcing campaign for their new film called obstacle corpse so we're going to be talking about about that stuff and then thursday we are doing what will probably be a massive show on the films of quentin tarantino i'm going to be joined once again by uh christopher christopher jimenez a writer director producer uh, who I had on the last episode of Streaming Evil Live. He was um, assistant to uh, Glenn Danzig on on his films, and so we spoke about his um, his relation in that kind of way, as well as many many films. And we realized that we wanted to sort of that we should do our own show. So we're doing a show based on his website. It's called Sinful Celluloid. It talked about it at the beginning of the episode. Please check out that they came from Lodi is putting on a show. That's right. I mean, I'm not putting on the show. Uh, Robbie Bloodshed and John Voice of Doom, they're putting on the show with Tony Matura. I'm going to be hosting the show. It's going to take place in Lodi at the VFW, the very VFW where Glenn Danzig's own mother used to work or volunteer or whatever it is that you do at VFW. She was very active in the VFW while she was alive. Um... What else can I say? Please check out the Patreon. Uh, very important. Or if you prefer, join uh, the YouTube membership like our friend Von Doom here. You can sign up. Makes more sense to do the Patreon. Whatever you want to do. However you want to skin that cat. I'm grateful for the support, truly. Um, do we have anything else we need to cover? Rue. Thank you, buddy. Rue, I'm so excited you're coming to the show, man. We got to grab a picture together, man. That'll be so great. Oh, Beth, I'm so I'm so glad you enjoyed us. Uh, enjoyed this. 
Um, please come back next time. Make sure you stay subscribed. Um, what else can I say, you guys? What else can I say? I'm trying to think if I missed anything. I, I don't think I did. So I think I'm going to, I think, I think, I think we're good. I think we're good. Um, so next week, I think next week, uh, pending on one thing, I have to check my emails actually. I've been wanting to do a caller, live caller show. I tried doing it with Loki. I don't know if you guys remember Loki. Tried doing it with Dr. Ask Dr. Loki. We didn't get a single caller. But the idea here is that we're going to do, I'm going to put out the link and anybody can come on for, we'll, we'll cap it at, I don't know. Depends on, on, on a line. We'll form a line. Five minutes. I'll have some material to keep keep things going, but we'll be taking calls. Anybody wants to come on and say a few comments, you know, don't don't hog the stage in, in case there's a bunch of people that want to come on. I don't know. I don't want to blow smoke up my own ass or anything. Not like people are banging down the door to, to jump on the show, but I'm just saying, figured it might be fun to do a call, live caller show. So maybe we'll do that. Uh, it'll be like a casual BS sort of thing, like a fiend mail. And then we'll we'll go into live callers. That's I think maybe that's what we're gonna do. Um, I couldn't imagine there being a show in Lodi and Bob and Robbie Bloodshed not doing a Misfit song. I'm sure Voice of Doom will do a Misfit song. I mean, it's got to go down. All three bands that are playing are are big, big, big Misfit fans. I mean, that's why we're doing this thing called They Came from Lodi Presents. So. I think I think you're definitely Von Doom. You can definitely bet on that happening. So, guys, thank you so much. Uh, tune in next time tomorrow. Really, Thursday is the big day. Okay, check that out. Um, like, share, subscribe, turn on your bell notifications, and hey, guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk, and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now, I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers, and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee, but it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. <laughs> 
The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes. That's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents. Make it a